the laser guns were developed on the basis of one particular sound. I was hiking in Pennsylvania on a vacation during the early stages of the production of uh, Star Wars, and I was hiking over a, a mountaintop in the Pocono Mountains and went beneath a radio tower which had large guy wires coming down to anchor it, and my pack caught on one of these guy wires, and as I went by, it made a twanging sound, an unusual sound. And I immediately said to myself, well, that's a laser gun. It had an otherworldly sound to it. And when I returned to California, I went around Southern California in the region of Los Angeles, banging on the guy wires of different radio towers to come up with just the right sound. I finally found the right radio tower out in the Mojave Desert, near Palmdale, California. There was a small radio station out there which had a sort of broken down tower next to its little transmitting station. They had one particular guy wire which was uh, did not have the wind dampeners on it. Sometimes they have these large um, styrofoam balls on the wires which prevent them from vibrating. They're actually there to reduce the, the drag of the wind on the wires. And I found this one particular cable on that tower and uh, banged it with different pieces of metal. And, uh, and out of that came the, the sound which was used as the, the basic sound for all the laser guns. Jason. And this is Gabe. This week, we are talking about the detention block shootout evolution. You may ask yourself, what exactly does that mean? What is episode 358 about? What is the detention block shootout evolution? Gabe, how would you explain what we're talking about this week on Blast Points? It's more specifically the detention block shootout audio evolution. And like a lot of things in Star Wars, it's always changing. And what is the original version? Is there an original version? Does it even matter? There are multiple audio mixes of A New Hope. And specifically in the detention block shootout, there are things that change throughout the different versions. So we're going to talk all about the different audio versions and things that change, things that say the same, and just talk about that scene in general because it's it's a high point of a movie full of high points. If you've been listening to Blast Points for a while now, you know that we are obsessed with the audio mixes, especially for the original Star Wars. Like, literally obsessed. Think about it all the time. We're always digging for new information. Episode 91 of Blast Points was all about the A New Hope audio mix changes over the years. Episode 178 was all about the Empire Strikes Back audio changes. We've talked about it a lot in the past. We thought we kind of covered it all. There's nothing more to really talk about. We've uncovered all the changes that we know of. And then along comes this detention block shootout audio evolution video from the mysterious Space Hunter M on YouTube. Yeah, tons of thanks and appreciation for Space Hunter M for always highlighting the stuff that we want to know about and driving us crazy with, wait, what? (laughs) 
just a constant source of inspiration for us. So thank you, Space Hunter M, for piquing our interest. Now, in Space Hunter M's video, which we'll have linked in the show notes, he highlighted four changes in the detention block shootout scene from an audio perspective over the many, many different audio versions of Star Wars that have come out for the past 46 years now. We later in this episode are going to be doing eight. We're doubling what Space Hunter M did because we're blast points. And that's what we do. We take it 1,000 steps further into Crazyville. And lots of stuff has changed throughout the various audio versions of Star Wars. But I don't think we ever, it never dawned on us until we saw this video, how much this scene had changed. And it really, like literally blew my mind when I saw this. Yeah, because I think it's one of those things where your your mind just you notice dialogue changes and and voices talking and maybe isolated moments where maybe there's a sound effect that was there or wasn't there, but this whole sequence there is just so much going on visually and so much going on audioly, orally. It's easy to just get caught up in the moment and not notice that there were changes and that yeah, there's been quite a few over the years and it's also not every day that you are listening to eight different audio mixes at the same time but if you do and we will it's it's pretty it's pretty fascinating yeah, because yeah this scene in general it's really just watching like the visuals on its own it's kind of a really wild scene it's like what exactly is happening it's faster more intense there's just explosions and smoke and there's these camera things that are being shot at. For the longest time when I was a little kid, I thought they were giant bugs. Yeah, because it is. It's like there's so many crazy parts and weird parts and just, you know, there's so much going on in, in the original Star Wars movie. But this part just has always been one of my favorites because it is. It's just like it's like a drum solo in the middle of a song or something because it's literally just, yeah, it's explosions, it's laser blasts, it's screaming, it's sparks. And it sounds, and it's like there's so many camera things that they shoot. Like they just keep shooting them and they just keep finding more to shoot. There's not really anything else like that in any of the other movies. I mean, if anything, maybe this is like the original, man, I don't know. I'd almost say like, you know, like the pod race or or in the prequels, you know, where there'd be like the sound effects highlight part or like the speeder bike chase or something. But I mean, there's music and stuff in it too. So it's kind of maybe just a a very, very early idea of like just a section that's just it's like the uh siskel and ebert reviews where it's like it's like you're watching pinball or something like this is what they were talking about where it's just lights flashing and sounds and it's just like i don't know it's it's mesmerizing and underneath all these like yeah lights flashing and sounds and people screaming and smoke and stuff yeah there was this ever-changing audio mix I and like honestly, I can't believe that I never know because I feel like I had you know like I talk about all the time like I had like super I was super sensitive to the changes, especially in 1997. I remember like I talk about all the time sitting in the theater and like an Empire Strikes Back, you know, like thanks 3PO. What the heck, what is that? Or like we talked about extensively, Luke's scream when he goes down the shaft and Empire Strikes Back, like. And I remember talking to people after like these movies got done and I was like, did you, did you hear all that? And people were like, I don't know what you're talking about. It still trips me up. Even when we went to go see Return of the Jedi earlier this month, when Lando's in the cockpit and he says, we're sure in the middle of it now. And but I'm like, oh man, that is like so jarring to me, but it's been there since 1997. It's, <laughs> but that, I think that's like a big thing though, that, like we said, is there an original audio version of Star Wars? You know, maybe not. But you know, people always say, like, oh, I want the original version. And, like, from a visual perspective, there is an original version. And there's a special edition, a post-97 that version that's been forever changing. We welcome those changes. We often talk about how we wish they were still changing because we're weird. But... From an audio perspective, there almost kind of isn't any like proper 
in quotes original version and the original version is whatever version the viewer you the viewer is most familiar with so i would say for me my original version in quotes is the 95 vhs with the half faces which was also the 93 laser disc mix but as we're going to talk about that's like what the fifth or sixth different audio mix of the original films that was made well, and that's the the fun thing with you know a Star Wars movie too. Is a Star Wars movie, it's supposed to be fifty percent of the of the experience is the is the audio, is the music, and the sound effects. So, the fact that fifty percent of the movie has been changing since the beginning, it's kind of like, is that really any different than the visuals changing? Like, it is kind of like we said, like there really isn't an original version because this movie's always been in motion and always been changing. And, you know, if the visual stayed the same, but the sound changed, it's still not the same movie. Half the movie's different. So I probably as a kid heard the 82 mix the most. And then because I had like a copy from the videos, like a copy of a copy from the video store. And I think it was probably the 82 version, uh, whichever the, the first run of the VHS, the, ones that came out and then yeah i mean later on watching the uh that when they came out widescreen a lot but you know if if i had to say what was my original version i think it would have been the 82 mix and i think in our previous episodes that we talked about this subject the different audio mixes the like i said episode 91 where we talked about star wars and 178 when we talked about empire i feel like we chalked a lot of it up to the 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 fun answer of ben burt of ben burt being a wizard and a madman which he is both he he is both of those things he's a an insane genius but i think also there's something to be said of it was a complete it was an analog time for doing sound for movies it was before sprocket systems and before the people were things were being done digitally it was way before all that and i think the fact that these movies and movies of that era and before that era had a bit more of a human hand to them into making these, these changes, I think can kind of explain a bit more of how things like this happened. Yeah. Cause it wasn't necessarily intentional, some of the changes. And I think there are definite changes that were intentional in some respect, like you know, it was a sound that they wanted and, and either they, you know, forgot to turn it on in some version or they added it later. But a lot of it is, yeah, just the the mechanics of doing an audio mix at that time was you had a mixing board, you had a bunch of tracks, you had a bunch of channels, and you physically had to turn sliders up and down as the movie played to get the levels right. And you had to, you know, maybe you would there would be a button to mute something or or you would unmute something so it was kind of a, a choreographed thing sometimes between multiple people of just making sure the right things turned on at the right time and you adjusted the volume cuz maybe one sound effect was louder than it needed to be and and you had to remember to bring that slider down so yeah a lot of this is just happy accidents or or unhappy accidents depending on how you look at it of just what happened as you were doing these mixes and and you had to do potentially different mixes for different you know we'll get into it different formats in general and then also you know there's international versions and different languages that sort of thing so there was there was there even back then there were a lot of versions to do and i think part of the thing that makes star wars so special is that i don't think any movie that i can think of has been as (laughs) heavily analyzed in its different versions and all of its different times it's come out and what's changed and what's not changed as star Wars. And I think people started to kind of notice that more like around 97 where it's like, Oh no, wait, this thing's always been changing. Like if you go back, I've talked about it many, many, many times where I went to go see a screening of the original star Wars at the university of Michigan And it's just like, oh, you know, the first movie is playing great, you know, and I went to go see it and it didn't say a new hope in the credit. And that was jarring. And it was before I knew anything about any of these different audio mixes. 
And I was so used to, I think at that time, probably the special editions or I, I don't think the DVDs were even out yet. And I'm sitting there in the theater and like Baru's voice comes on and I'm like, what in the world is am I watching here? And there were so many differences. Like the stormtroopers didn't say close the blast doors and stuff like that. Open the blast doors, open the blast Like, wait, what am I watching here? What is going on? And it you know, led me down this path of kind of being like, this thing has always been changing. Like the special edition was not even, it was special because it had like Jabba in it. But there were special editions happening in the 70s and in the 80s. Well, it's also potentially unique to to Star Wars and Lucasfilm, the fact that the people who made the sounds and the audio mixes were still there at the company. Like Ben Burt was there the whole time. And it wasn't like, you know, 20th Century Fox was going to go do the DVD release or something. And the, the original creators weren't going to be involved. and because they're there and they're still working there and they're still around and they're involved. There's more, it seems like there's more opportunity for changes and, you know, George Lucas being involved, like, Hey, there was, where's that sound I liked here? Or, Hey, let's add another sound. I mean, going up to, you know, the, the most recent, the 2019 Disney plus version of a new hope has an extra scene in it because when they were going to do the 3d versions, George Lucas asked him to put the Greedo McClunky part in it. Like that doesn't always happen when, you know, new versions of movies come out. And, and a lot of times they just take the audio that they have and they just, you know, it is what it is. And it's not necessarily something that can be changed as much as star Wars has been over the years. And I think there's something to say of the, people behind the scenes in the original film being as big as stars as the people on the screen, as Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher, the Dennis Murins, the George Lucas, the Ben Burtz of it all, the John Dykstra's being absolute superstars for fans and people knowing Ben Burtz's name and being like, who did the sound for that crazy movie? Ben Burt. I love him. I love Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. I could not tell you who did the sound design for that movie. You know, Star Wars is extra special. You know, what, el- what other movie has been like that for the people behind the scenes being rock stars? production of a film, there's really three jobs that relate to what you hear in the final soundtrack. Three creative jobs which ultimately result in what you hear. One of them is a production recordist, which is a person who is recording during the actual filming of a movie. They'll have a microphone on the set and they will gather dialogue and some sound effects if they're available during the actual shooting. Secondly, you'll have a sound editor, and this is a person back in a studio who generally has a collection of sound or is able to go out and make new recordings with a portable tape recorder or something like that and bring them back and edit them and fit them into and add them onto the soundtrack of the film itself. And the third person is a sound mixer. And this is a person whose job is to blend together all the different sounds that come in to make up a soundtrack, such as music, dialogue, and sound effects. Uh, Those types of positions have really existed since sound films first came into being in one form or another. The term sound designer has gotten usage in the last decade, really since the Star Wars films began a new interest in creative soundtracks in motion pictures. A sound designer, I called myself a sound designer because I really wasn't functioning just as a production recordist or just a sound editor or just a sound mixer. I did some of the job uh, that all three of those people might do. and But I was able to follow through from the point of production of a film. That is, I could go out and advise and make suggestions about things that could be recorded uh, once I'd seen the script of the film. I was on hand during some of the filming of the motion picture to gather sounds or at least see what was going on so I could run off myself and begin to manufacture and make sounds that I know we'd need later on. Uh, I was also uh, on hand during the editing of the film to function as a sound editor, and that job would be to pick sounds out of a library of our own making 
uh, and edit them and synchronize them with the action on the screen. And also, I'd be involved in the sound mixing. And it's not often that one person gets to move through all those different jobs on a film. Usually, they're pretty strictly categorized, and one person doesn't, you know, one sound recordist may not do any sound editing, and the sound editor may not do any sound mixing. That's the tradition of the, the division of labor in, in feature films. Um, but since I was uh, an exception to that traditional division of labor, I needed to describe myself in some new terms. So I began to use the term sound designer, uh, which essentially meant that I, although I emphasized my creative work in sound effects, uh, my job was to coordinate all that you heard in the final soundtrack of the film. Okay, so here we go. We're getting into the real stuff here. We're going to go through each version. We're going to listen to each version. You are too. We're going to listen for differences. We're going to discuss the differences. And our first version, right, is the what we believe, and we may be wrong here, but what we're guessing is the first mix that was made. The 1977 70-millimeter stereo six-track mix. It's It was either that or the 35-millimeter Dolby stereo four-track mix. They could have been made at the same time, but we think they're pretty similar. Listen for differences, but it seems to me that, yeah, those two are very, very similar, and it would make sense that they're both multi-track stereo, that maybe they tried to do those uh, at the same time and quickly to get, because the right, the 70-millimeter version of the movie came out first. And then you know, spent more time on the on the mono mix, which we'll we'll talk more about in a minute. But yeah, let's start with the uh, 1977 70 millimeter mix. Okay. All right. Well, what's crazy to me listening to that, I'm just like, that sounds right to me. That sounds like that scene. Sounds like Star Wars. And, we, you know, we didn't mention earlier, too, uh, another thing that just makes this little segment so great, too, is as the whole movie is just the John Williams music just adds it another level of excitement to an already exciting audio experience. All right, but let's move on to the 77 35 millimeter stereo mix and see if we if we notice anything different. <laughs> crazy is that i mean i know it's the stereo and the one we listened to the 70 millimeter the first one we listened to was stereo but does that 35 millimeter that we just listened to is it more stereo i I was just thinking the same thing i think it does sound more stereo and that and that is worth bringing up that this isn't a completely fair comparison because we're listening to both of these in just left right stereo and both versions, I mean, the six track one was, you know, six tracks and potentially in different speakers and different places. And even I think Dolby Stereo back then was kind of like the beginnings of surround sound where there was a center channel and a, and a mono rear channel. So we're not getting kind of the, the 3D spatialness of it. So because uh, all these versions other than the mono one are just basically left and right stereo but yeah i think you're right that one did actually sound more stereo so maybe because that one was meant to just be 
less speakers that that there was more more spread or just the way that you know the the six tracks were kind of transferred to stereo made it seem less stereo if that makes sense and the the 35 millimeter was the dolby stereo version which that was not in a lot of theaters. There were not a lot of theaters in the United States and internationally that were equipped with Dolby sound. And there were not a whole lot of 70 millimeter screens in the U.S. too. And Star Wars, as much of it as it was groundbreaking visually, it also was groundbreaking in sound and sound design and really pushing Dolby sound and like, you know, that's kind of how THX came about and pushing what was possible in terms of how people not only what they're seeing on screen, but what they're hearing. And I don't I don't think enough people give the original film credit for it really was a breakthrough in movie sound. Yeah. And it was, you know, the beginning of, like you said, with THX and just Star Wars being something that pushes changes in technology like i think phantom menace was the first movie and uh there was a new dolby format that came out when phantom menace came out like you know it's not just pushing the visual quality it's also yeah pushing sound and and just that the whole theatrical experience when i saw the phantom menace in a thx theater in grand rapids michigan I had never heard, like the pod race, I had never heard anything like that in my life. To this day, I've never heard a movie sound that good. Okay, so now we, okay, so we've done the 70 millimeter six track. We've done the 35 millimeter four track. We've noticed uh, that the the four track was a bit more stereo-y. And now things are getting really interesting where we're talking about the 35 millimeter 1977 mono track now that we did a whole episode on this like we said many times give what's why is the mono track of star wars the mono version of star wars why is that so important so the thing that it's it always was hard for me to wrap my head around this too because we're old but we're not that old that at this time most people were seeing the movie in mono so even though you would think the you know the stereo or six track is like that's the cutting edge technology, that's going to be the best version. That was the version the least amount of people were going to hear. So they put more time into the mono mix and getting the mono mix perfect because the mono mix was going to be in the most theaters in the U.S. and it was going to be in in all the theaters internationally. So as of 1977, the mono mix would be like the mix. That's if there was an original version, it was technically the mono mix because I think that would have ended up being the uh if the movie was broadcast on tv it would be the mono mix as well so that was like the definitive mix in 77 would be the mono mix like we said we did a whole episode and it's it's the one where you can like we said sometimes there's big changes and sometimes like with the detention block shootout there's very subtle changes but some of the big big changes for people that haven't listened to those past episodes or aren't familiar with the mono mix is Baru's voice. Let's real quick listen to the the stereo Baru and then the mono Baru. Where are you going? Looks like I'm going nowhere. I have to go finish cleaning those droids. Oh, and he can't stay here forever. Most of his friends have gone. It means so much to him. I'll make it up to him next year. I promise. <sighs> Luke's just not a farmer, Owen. He has too much of his father in him. That's what I'm afraid of. Where are you going? Looks like I'm going nowhere. I have to go finish cleaning those droids. Oh, and he can't stay here forever. Most of his friends have gone. It means so much to him. I'll make it up to him next year. I promise. <laughs> Luke's just not a farmer, Owen. He has too much of his father in him. That's what I'm afraid of. And then this one blew my mind in 97. 3PO, when they're in the Death Star, talking about... What would happen if Obi-Wan can take down the tractor beam control thing? So we'll play the stereo version and then the mono version. I don't think your boy's going to help. The tractor beam is coupled to the main reactor in seven locations. A power loss at one of the terminals will allow the ship to leave. 
I don't think your bar is going to help. And what was crazy was like when I was sitting in the theater in 97, especially the 3PO part, I thought that was brand new because I guess, yeah, I was like more unfamiliar with like with the 82 VHS. Like you were saying, like, did you remember that in the 82 VHS? No, I have a t- I have a terrible memory for this stuff in general, and it's also like there wasn't an easy way to to compare. Like, unless you know, did you just have like a bunch of film reels in your basement of the different versions, or you know, there wasn't the internet? It was just kind of you watched whatever version was around, and you just thought you were going crazy if you noticed anything. And I think there's really something to that, that probably when they were doing these changes, they never would have expected that in 2023, two weirdos would be doing a podcast talking in their weird dark rooms in their house. Well, or yeah, we would be at a point where, you know, if if you look hard enough, all this information is out there, all these versions are out there. And to be in a situation where, yeah, you can literally listen to these different versions and no, you're not going crazy finally, and that no, they are actually different. Okay, so here's what we're going to do for comparison because it's been a little bit. We've been talking about Baru and crazy stuff. Let's play the stereo, the 77 35 millimeter stereo version one more time. And right after that, we will play the mono version as comparison. So here we go. Here's 35 millimeter stereo one more time. <laughs> That's insane. That is crazy. <laughs> it's the craziest thing. Well, the other thing too with the mono version is it's louder than all the other versions because there's a lot more. I think it's just compression. The, there's less dynamic range. Like everything is loud in the mono version. So that adds to the just. It's just like raw. It's just like you're at a you're at like star, at a Star Wars concert and it's just loud. And in the middle there, there's that stun sound there's this there's like the the bad batch you know that didn't start with the bad batch it started in you know the original film yeah but there's that stun sound right in the middle there then that wasn't in the 35 millimeter stereo or the 70 millimeter six track yeah so that seems to be maybe the first big actual change change other than maybe some you know levels being different and it not being in stereo but yeah there's a new sound and if you're watching along with the footage, which is nice to see in the in the Space Hunter M video, I think that was added to give a different sound for when Chewbacca's firing, because Chewbacca has that big stormtrooper rifle instead of the little standard like hand blaster. And, you know, I think that becomes a theme going through that there's there was an attempt to make that weapon sound different than the other blasters. It's so because when I watched this the first time, this was the part where I was just like, wait a minute, what? Now we know that as the stun sound. And it makes sense when you when you watch the beginning of the movie and the stormtrooper, when they see Leia, there's one set for stun. And it's that sound. But then it's like Chewbacca's got this giant blaster rifle thing and it's making that kind of sound. And I'm like, wait, what the heck is that? Yeah, it kind of doesn't make sense if you if you think about it too hard. But, you know, 
it's maybe it's better than the stereo version because at least it's like oh it's a different thing it's you know it stands out you know to your to your ears as much as your eyes another thing to to pay attention to as we go through these because this this is something i had never noticed before and now that listening to these i can't not hear it is towards the end of the clip i think in the there's a uh, part in the movie where when han goes over to the control panel to to check in there's a dead guy on the counter and he like grabs his belt and like pulls him off the counter. There's like a clicking sound when that happens. And then another one is uh, kind of towards the middle of the clip. When one of the guards is killed, he drops his blaster and there's a sound of the blaster hitting the floor sound. Those two kind of clicky sounds are something as you listen to these, they kind of change slightly in volume over time. And I never noticed them before. And now I can't not hear them. And hopefully I maybe ruined it for everybody now too that you'll just hear those <laughs> two two weird little clicky sounds. We got to play the mono mix one more time because now I'm intrigued because I, I I hear that stun sound and I I black out. So what's I got to listen for these clicky sounds? Here we go, mono again. <laughs> Yeah, and those the the click the clicky sounds are are pretty subtle in this mix, but just just keep listening as we go. <laughs> so our next one, right? So our next one, we are talking about the nineteen eighty five stereo mix. So a lot of talk about this. What the eighty five VHS is a lot of this mix was based on the thirty five millimeter stereo mix. And when you listen to this, that I think. That makes sense because some of the the thing that is the biggest thing that is different in here, I think will make you think of the stereo mix. Here's what we'll do. Let's play that 35 millimeter stereo mix again one one more time. And then let's play the 85 VHS. First up, 35 millimeter one more time. first impressions obviously the stun is gone from the mono version am i crazy do the clicky sounds sound louder they might be it seems like maybe some of the levels of things change there's i swear maybe some of the blaster shots are louder or softer in the mix or maybe a slightly different eq on them but it is very similar to the 77 and 85 do seem very similar, but 85 sounds better. And I think something that's kind of interesting that is going to start coming up in the discussion of these is if you watch this scene, 
if you especially if you watch the the space hunter m video because if if you just go off what's on disney plus right now you may not really get it but so much of this scene is them shooting at those camera things a lot of the times it's just the sound of those camera things exploding over and over again it's just part of this like kind of sound tapestry right and i think that's something that as we go forward and here is going to change yeah that's keep keep your ears open for that one because that's that's the one that kind of blew my mind you know before we get into it i don't know what way i remember it this is like one of those things now that i know that it that changed i couldn't tell you which one sounds right to me and i think that's that's the funny thing with like like we said, there is no original version of Star Wars from an audio perspective. And the original version is the one you remember. Because even like watching th- this scene or listening to this scene without that part of it, like the camera exploding sound. Like we said, when we first listened to the first one we did, this is 70 millimeter six track. You're like, sounds right to me. Because you hear Chewbacca yelling, you hear blaster sounds, you hear John Williams score, and you're just like, yep, that's that scene. But it's not the scene, probably the last time you watch Star Wars, how that scene sounds at all. Well, let's let's get right into uh, the 93 mix then. Let's do it. It starts to get crazy with this one. So there it is. There's the camera things exploding. And it changes everything. They're so loud. There's, yeah, just breaking glass sounds everywhere. Also, I wonder if, you know, by this version was the most intense kind of stereo surround sound. Because it's very, very stereo sounding. And I think some of that's because the extreme right and left things would be things that would be processed to the rear speakers. If, if you had, you know, like a man, what was the old school where you had a, it was kind of like the Dolby stereo. You had a center channel, a right and left, and then you had a mono rear channel. And I think that's adding to the, the, the super wide stereo feel. Um, and also, I don't think I heard it until this one. There's the subtlest, tiniest bit of like an ad at cannon at the very end. And towards the end, there's like a really quiet ADAT cannon. Did you notice that? I did not, but we got to listen to it one more time. said out loud oh my god yeah just a little hint little taste a little like foreshadowing of things to come it's buried in the mix but it's in there that wasn't in any of the other versions it's like yeah it's like i've never seen this movie before every time i listen to a different one of these i'm like wait what i've never heard this movie before well and you gotta think too this version the the 90 the 93 stereo version this was with the Laserdisc, the Definitive Collection Laserdisc, which was a huge deal. And then this is the version that carried over, yeah, into the 1995, the Half Faces VHS coming out on widescreen on VHS. This is the version we watched over and over again when we were roommates in Grand Rapids. 
this is the version until 97 when the special edition came out that watched you know you could watch star wars like at least once a week like normal people did you know like this you were watching this all the time well and this was probably you know the first time we were hearing it you know in surround sound at home too because we had like a basic surround setup at, at home so this was like the closest to like the theatrical theatrical experience we were getting at home on our teeny tiny tv and let's never forget before we move on let's never forget the time that we watch the tractor beam scene in a new hope where the Millennium falcon is being pulled into the tractor beam with a base cannon <laughs> yeah, from my car i think right that we hooked up to the yeah, we took the base cannon out of your car and hooked it up just because to get those super low frequencies <laughs> and things were shaking. And there were there was a young, newly married couple that lived below us who at that moment probably decided they hated us forever. And they they immediately re- regretted their decision to live in the same building as us. <laughs> well, got a base cannon watching Star Wars. And not even the whole movie, just the tractor beam scene over and over again. <laughs> Why are we still moving towards it? <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so that was amazing. That was crazy. The cameras blowing up blew my mind. Now let's move on to the... 1997 special edition star wars is back in theaters for the first time in a long time it was a really big deal and i wonder if anything changed i don't know let's see Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Does anything jump out at you that's different in that one? <laughs> I sounded exactly the same to me. Oh my God. So, okay. So wait, where do you even begin? The cameras getting hit. Am I crazy? Does this time, do they have like more of like a sizzle to them? I think like overall, everything kind of sounds just like smoother. Like it's like a smoother mix everything's a little more mixed together with the glass like the glass is still loud but it's not like separate from everything else maybe but yeah maybe there's a little sizzle added to it but it's like whatever they did to make the glass kind of fit in ever they didn't care about for chewy's blaster sound because it is like in 3d as loud as it can be if you compare that to let's say like the 35 millimeter stereo where chewy's blaster was just a blaster sound. Now, Chewie's blaster sounds like that AT-AT sound. Yeah, I think every time Chewie shoots that big rifle, it's the AT-AT sound now. That was crazy. But it's neat if you think it's like back in 77 with the mono mix, they wanted to differentiate that blaster from the other ones. And they, you know, briefly toyed with the stun sound and, and maybe realized it didn't make sense because the stun sound was used at the beginning of the movie. So, but here in 97, maybe they went back through their notes and they were like, Hey, let's figure out a different sound for Chewie's blaster. And Hey, we'll use that at, we have this big blaster sound sitting around. Yeah. And I wonder too, if they were like, Oh, you know, last one we did 85, we added the sound of the exploding cameras that made sense. This is 97. Like we said, it was a really big deal. The Star Wars Special Edition. Let's maybe make those exploding cameras sound a little cooler. Let's add like a little heat sizzle to them or something. Well, and not to give too much away, I think this really was in a way like the definitive version. Because as we move forward, it's kind of just refinements on this one. Like this kind of. It was a big deal that Star Wars is back in theaters, and and it seems like they did put a lot of work in the special edition to kind of get things where they really wanted them to be. And since then, it's just kind of you know polishing something that is already kind of what they wanted. 
so with that, maybe we should jump into to the next big release, which is crazy to think how many years that was between 97 and 2004 when they finally came out on DVD. But we say that, you know, and we go back to our episode we did what, just last year on Luke's Scream, which was only a 97 thing. And by the time the DVD came out, Luke's Scream was gone. So, you know, there were visual things that changed in the DVD. You know, you had Hayden Christensen at the end of Return of the Jedi, and there were audio changes. I'm curious about this 2004 DVD with this scene. Let's let's check it out. Let's see what let's see what we can see if we hear anything different. Okay, the the chewy adat blaster sound is all over the place but something i'm getting out of this could be just me again maybe i'm crazy i definitely am but it almost seems like the camera's exploding sound is a little quieter than the special edition we listened to it could be this one just to me sounds like they took the 97 one and they just adjusted the mix to be even better like everything's clearer you can pick out the individual sounds better and and everything is kind of more evenly balanced. Like nothing sounds super louder than anything else, except for maybe the ad at sound is still a little bit louder, but that could just be just the nature of that sound effect being very kind of piercing and, and it's just a big sound. But yeah, to me, it sounds like the 97 mix just better. Well, there were controversies with the DVD and the sound mix. I remember I've never quite, understood all that but i think it was the the rear channels were flipped so if you were listening in surround sound and you had actual right and left rear channels that they weren't always the right side like some things would be in the wrong side does that make sense yeah and i think it was something people noticed a lot with the battle of yavin at the end which again star wars (laughs) and (laughs) star wars fans the only people who are going to be like that this DVD is a travesty. The rear channels are flipped. Well, you know, people only waited what like seven years for it to come out. So, but yeah, I think what you're saying is right. I mean, it's it's pretty much yeah the the '97 version. Yeah, with the the Chewy Adat gun. There's there's sizzle, but yeah, maybe a little bit clearer, maybe a little bit more refined. So now we're going into the modern age, right? We're going into the Blu-ray slash 2019 Disney Plus, which from the Blu-ray to what we see on Disney Plus is not really a whole lot of changes. Of course, there's McClunky, like we talked about. And with the, the Disney Plus version, or at least for A New Hope, the word always was that this was the mix that was made that was going to be the 3D version, eventually, of Star Wars, which... It's just such a shame that that never happened. I think about that every day still. There's at least one one moment during the day getting a getting a glass of water. Oh, we could have got them all in 3D. Go back. Then I go back to my day. <laughs> there was there was that trailer for the Phantom Menace where they teased it, where they. Oh, oh. anyways. But right, we're 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 assuming, yeah, that the the Blu-ray to the Disney Plus is pretty much the same. There's not a whole lot of differences. So. Let's listen to the 2019 Disney Plus version.
I think that's pretty close. I do you spot anything in there? <sighs> no, to me again, it just sounds like just more refinement to the to the ninety seven mix. If you actually look at the the wave files, you can kind of see that the this twenty nineteen version has the most dynamic range. Like the quiet parts get get quieter than any of the other mixes, and the loud parts you know get as as loud as any of the other ones. It's just like the quiet parts get quieter. So there's more contrast between the big explosions and the and the more subtle sounds. And other than that. Yeah, it it sounds very very similar to to the last two versions. It's like it's like I said. I feel like at ninety seven they kind of they got what they wanted, and they've just kind of been subtly tweaking it since then, based on the you know whatever they can for the new formats. And with that, I think that widely known that that is the the last time that, as far as we know, that the movies will change unless George Lucas suddenly wakes up in the middle of the night and I got you, God, I got to change it again. Which he could do. He could really. He it could have. I. We welcome it. But maybe there's another version in a, in a safe in a vault somewhere that gets released when he when he dies. It's, it was in the contract. When when I die, there's another version that comes out. But really, this is an amazing example, like we said, of the audio evolution of that original film. It's like we said. It's such a subtle example. It's not like Luke scream or it's not thanks 3PO or it's not the Baru voice. It's, it's just going to show that that original film was always kind of a work in progress. And they were always striving with every release to, to maybe make it like a little bit better. How much, like we said, how much of it was just the analog days of the late seventies, early eighties and how much of it was George Lucas and Ben Burt, like forever tinkering and we can make this better and better and better. Yeah, and it's another way that you know it's Star Wars is forever and and was forever changing. It's a it's a living, living, breathing movie that is always growing and changing. And it and if anything, it's more weird now to be at a point where it may never change again. Which yeah, it just seems crazy to think about that there is maybe the def- definitive version is the version we have now. After all these, after forty years, we finally have the definitive version. Well, and I welcome it. I, I'm as much as I would love Crazy Man George Lucas con- to continue tinkering with things. I love that I can literally turn on Star Wars anytime I want, any day. If I just need a quick fix and just pop on a scene on my phone or something, just like I just I just need I just need a little taste, just a little taste of Star Wars. Just, just let me watch like a sand person getting on a bantha, and let me just let me just hear it. You can do that now, and that's kind of amazing. And Anyone can watch Star Wars at any time, any day. And back in the day, it was just like, oh, my God, it's coming back out into theaters for one week only. We've got to go because we can't watch it any other way. It's kind of awesome. I love it. Yeah. And, you know, Star Wars wouldn't be Star Wars if it wasn't for this kind of stuff. Like, that's part of the magic of Star Wars is the films themselves are great and fun. But then there's all this behind the scenes nonsense and weirdness and craziness that can be just as entertaining as the films themselves of just this little sneak peek into the creative process and the filmmaking process and just how fluid that process is. And, and, you know, not every movie you get to see behind the curtain to, you know, how this all works. And, you know, over 40 years, we've gotten a really cool little slices of, of just how, movies are made and a special note too that this scene the detention block shootout scene was filmed on may 19th 1976 and this episode if you're listening to the day it comes out comes out on may 16th 2023 so just three days after this episode comes out is what the 46 year anniversary of the filming of this scene which no one probably had any idea what the heck was going on with this scene other than maybe George Lucas when they were filming it. Just blow everything up. We're just going to blow everything up. Just go with it. Yep, that's what I'm doing. No questions. It's a tone poem.
goes to Mr. Benjamin Burt Jr. Uh, I'd like to specifically thank uh, Ken Mura of USC Cinema and producer Gary Curtis for giving me a start on this film and for associate producer Jim Nelson, whose great friendship and encouraged me and encouragement, <laughs> help me out, fellas. <laughs> uh, was helped me a lot during the film. And I'd like to, of course, thank George Lucas, who had all the great ideas and provided all the inspiration for the things in Star Wars. Thank you very much. Celebration this summer when Star Wars returns to a galaxy near you. Star Wars starts August 13th for three weeks only. The Force will be with you always. These last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. reviews. Like we said last week, this is the first time we've ever said this on an episode of Blast Points, but we would love it when you get done listening. If you listen on something Apple to leave us a five-star review over there, say something nice. It brings warm feelings to our hearts. And if you listen on Spotify, leave us a five-star review over there too, or just leave us five stars because you can't write anything on Spotify. And check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com, with the handy-dandy search feature if you're looking for a back episode. And make sure you are following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, then you should be in the Blast Points chill group. And if you want to support the show in a different way, we have got the Blast Points Army on Patreon. Sometime this month, we promise we're going to start doing our Mandalorian Season 3 commentaries. Where, Like we said, we're just going to be talking about Gorian Shard the whole time, no matter what is going on. Or maybe Bo-Katan's droid. That's true. An unscheduled visitor. And if you are a member of the Blast Points Army on Patreon, huge thank you to all of you. And we appreciate your support so much. But that about wraps up number 358 here. I think we've all learned something. I think we've all learned a lot. As people, the detention block, shootout audio evolution, I think it's changed us all. I don't think anyone listening to this episode is the same person they were an hour ago. No, and getting sent to detention isn't always a bad thing. Especially if it's on the Death Star and it's a Ben Burt sound collage. <laughs> yeah, and you get to blow up anything that has glass in it over and over and over again. Smash it with lasers. And this episode, again, dedicated to the one and only Mr. Ben Burt. Total wizard, hero of ours. Ben Burt, we love you. This episode is all about the beautiful genius of Mr. Ben Burt, when it really comes down to it. The BB. It's so good, he's got the two T's. <laughs> two B's, two T's, just for me's. All right, on that note, everyone... We'll talk to you next week. It's another really fun one next week. Get ready for that. But until then, 
Thank you all so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. <laughs>